Well, Merry Christmas, y'all. You know, a fella I know that's not from around here one time asked me, he said, what's the plural of y'all? And I said, all y'all. So, uh, Merry Christmas, all y'all. Will you please pray with me? Abba, Father, thank you for the great gift of life and for life's greatest gift. We gather in this uh, community of followers of your Son to worship you and to hear from you. I ask that I not get in the way of your desire for us to experience you personally. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Please superintend what is said and heard for the glory of our Father and for the sake of others. Amen. Thank you. Several Christmas seasons ago, my wife, Alana, and our three girls, Rachel, Leah, and Rebecca, had gone to a Christmas Eve service. And following the service, and I'm not one that plans ahead much, I asked the girls, I said, well, what would you like to do now? And our youngest daughter, Rebecca, who was three, said, uh, I know, let's all go home, hold hands around the Christmas tree, and sing, How Come Are We Faithful? This uh, special season of the year may be a good time for each of us to ask that question. How come are we faithful? As we think about our individual responses to that question, it's likely we could come to a similar conclusion that we are faithful because God is faithful. If it weren't for his faithfulness to us and our receiving his unconditional love for us, could we even be capable of being faithful to him who loves us, and much less loving others. God's faithfulness to us was dramatically demonstrated by sending his son Jesus to reconcile us to himself. Jesus came to reveal the truth about God and to save us from our sins. Whether in words or action, God's love cannot be contained. God's love always finds a means of expression. Love always does, or it wouldn't be love. God's love appeared up close and personal when Jesus was born. He was called Emmanuel, God with us. God, God desired to walk with and to share his life and experiences with those he had created. That's us. And after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be his life in our lives, to actually indwell us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Paul says in Colossians. This song, Be Born in Me, and its refrain, I will hold you in the beginning, refers to the scriptural account of the announcement in the birth of our Savior as found in these familiar passages from Luke chapters 1 and 2. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greeting, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel said. For God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. I love Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. The main Advent event occurs in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, and you'll know this one for sure. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now way before the angel Gabriel came to Mary, man had gone his own way. Actually, ever since the garden, when Adam and Eve chose to go their own way, living independently of God. We know that this was no surprise to God, and we know he was greatly grieved and disappointed. God's plan for redemption and reconciliation was certainly not man's plan. You know, I believe that when we see man, that upon recognizing his lostness, his life without God, he tries to figure out ways to reach God and to earn his favor and attempt to right the relationship with his creator. However, the unholy can never reach the holy one. God's ways and man's ways are certainly different. Long before we lost God as our source of life, God surely knew the cost of reconciling us to himself. God would give himself to redeem us and to reconcile us. God is a giver. And he longs for us to receive the gift of his son that we might be right with him again. Could it be that we enjoy giving and receiving gifts, especially at this time of year, as a result of being made in his image? The world was in dire need of a savior, as it is today. But God's table allowed for a full-term baby. Not a king suddenly appearing on the scene as a superhero, God sent his son to enter enemy territory, to go behind enemy lines to rescue us, full well knowing the ultimate price that he would have to pay. God made himself vulnerable by sending his son. Love as strong as death. Mary opened her heart and yielded her will to receive and carry the son of God. How do we respond to the questions our Father is asking us? Will you carry my son? By faith, will you receive him that he may live in you? Will you open your hearts and yield your wills to me? Will you unconditionally receive my son who has unconditionally given himself for you that you might be brought into relationship with me? By saying yes to him by faith, he promises to forgive us, 
so that he might live in us, to share his life with us. And he changes us into his likeness from the inside out through our relationship with him. Much as Mary brought Jesus into the world, we are empowered to express him and his life to others. Not only do we represent Jesus, we represent Jesus as he lives in us, enlivening our lives with his. When Jesus enters our lives, we will never be the same again. We become new people with a new nature, a divine nature. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The change has begun, and he will accomplish that work that he has begun in us as we continually yield ourselves to him. So each of us comes to the place of opening our hearts and yielding our wills, which is what Mary did. She was chosen by God. She recognized his voice. She was available. She responded positively, even with the risks and the costs, like her relationship with Joseph and what other people might think or believe or say. She offered herself to someone greater than herself. She opened her heart and yielded her will. We are asked to do the same. How will we respond? The means God chose to redeem us, the Christ child, highlights the humanity of our Savior. Have we considered that Jesus, in fact, was a full-term baby? Have we reflected on his humanity? I recently read in the book, Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge, the eternal Son of God, light of light, very God of very God, one substance with the Father, spent nine months developing in Mary's womb. Jesus passed through her birth canal. He nursed at her breast. He had to learn to walk. The Word of God had to learn to talk. He who called the stars by name had to learn the names of everything, just as you and I did. His humanity brings him close again. Jesus is always closing the distance between us. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. This is what the Apostle Paul declares in a passage that causes us to bow in our hearts before the one of whom Paul speaks. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. And again from the beautiful outlaw, the incarnation is one of the greatest treasures of our faith. The world keeps pushing God away, feeling more comfortable with him up there in the heavens somewhere. 
But in the coming of Jesus, he draws near, incredibly near. He takes on our humanity. How could he get closer? G.K. Chesterton, in speaking of Bethlehem and what it held in its foothills that fateful night, the strange kings fade into a far country, and the mountains resound no more with the feet of the shepherd. And only the night and the cavern lie in fold upon fold over something more human than humanity. Wow. The manger Mary used as a bassinet held something more human than humanity? Do you think of Jesus as the most human human being who ever lived? The ravages of sin, neglect, abuse, and a thousand addictions have left us all a shadow of what we were meant to be. Jesus is humanity in the truest form. Just think, man, as God intended man to be, fully alive and enlivened by the very presence of God, as Mary felt the presence of his life within we too can share that same experience. John Eldridge wrote, you are the only thing in this world said to be created directly in his image. Your humanity is a reflection of Jesus's humanity. Jesus feels, you feel. Jesus longs, you long. Jesus weeps, you weep. Jesus laughs and you laugh. His humanity brings him close. Perhaps we recall hearing something like this around here. The one who came still comes, and the one who spoke still speaks. God may speak to us in different ways, through his creation or through his word, through another person being Jesus to us. And we, like Mary, are invited to share in the privilege of receiving him and carrying him within allowing him to express himself in us and through us. The result is nothing short of glorious. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The glory of the living Christ revealed through our lives to everyone we encounter along life's way. Questions each of us need to ask are, have I opened my heart and yielded my will to him who came for me? And like Mary, Am I willing to receive him and allow him to live in and through me? How do we answer? Just as God began the eternally great work in Mary, he completed it. In Philippians 1.6, the Apostle Paul penned the following wonderful words of promise, encouragement, and hope. Just listen to God's promise and grab on to hope. God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Mary received and God produced. We receive and God produces. As we live in an intimate, dependent, abiding relationship with him, we are nourished by him. As we are in him and he is in us. He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. As the song, Be Born in Me, we will hold him in the beginning. He will hold us in the end. 
And so we come back to the question our daughter suggested we sing, How Come Are We Faithful? The reason? Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. We are faithful because he is faithful. In closing, I'd like to share a poem recently written by a friend of mine, my best friend and mentor and fellow elder, Jim Barker. It's entitled, The Only Faithful, The Only True. The Only Faithful, The Only True. Behold your God who came for you. A man I was, born of love, just like you, but from above. I came to earth, my life to give. My blood was shed that you might live. By faith I lived, and by faith I died. My love for you can't be denied. Ask me how I lived. My source of might? My Father is. His life, my light. He in me, I in Him. Living as one, your hearts to win. I trusted in Him who's faithful and true. Now trust in me. Let me be strong in you. Oh, they'll sense your strength. It's there to see. They'll think it's you, but you'll know it's me. When others you love out of faith in me, then you'll know what you were born to be. Children of faith, children of love, children of your heavenly Father above. Fully alive and fully free, living as people, enlivened by me. So let's go, my children. There's much to do. Only trust in me. Let me be me in you. Amen. One of our values that we have here at Oak Hills is a time of special time of prayer. And as we move to that time now, we know that we have a God who cares. He desires to hear what concerns us the most. As our elders and prayer ministers are moving about the worship center, please stand. They are available to pray with you about matters on your heart. Perhaps you've decided that this Christmas season is the right time to open your heart and yield your wills to receive God's gift of His only Son as your Savior, to receive forgiveness and be brought into an immediate right relationship with God. Our elders and prayer ministers would be privileged to specifically pray with you about that decision. Is there a greater gift than eternal life? 